It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. I got news for you. Full pads ain't the answer. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Joe, I don't care that the Steelers are practicing in full pads. I don't. We'll get to that in a second. But we got a little, can I call it breaking news? I don't know if I can. Breaking news? (laughs) Every time. Just that little thing at the end will never not be funny to me. No. It will never not be That will work forever. That is a bit that will work forever. uh, Here's the thing. James Harden has actually shown up and, according to Woj, is participating in Sixers practice out at Colorado State this morning. (laughs) Well, I mean... Which is exactly my reaction to it. Now, what I want to know is, if he talks to the media, is it just going to be Daryl Morey is a liar and a lot of confused people looking at him? I mean, he's showing up there. I'm, I'm sure there's some sort of fine situation that I don't know about that he's going to maybe look to avoid here. The, 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 the best course of action here is to just have all parties involved play nice and try to figure out how to reach an agreement on something that kind of works for everyone. He wants out of Philly. Philly's got to get him out of there. All right? It's not going to work. And there's a variety of reasons for that. But at the same time, he's got to realize he might not be able to go to the Clippers. He's not going to be able to get his preferred destination. So these two just have to figure it out at this point and end it. James Harden is not a guy that's going to put you over the top for winning a championship. Champions are won by championships are won by teams with culture. They're won by teams with guys who buy in guys who put the team and the goal above themselves. That's not Harden. It's not doesn't mean he's not a great basketball player. He's just not going to be the guy that gets your team over the hump for a championship. You go back over the last few years, teams, teams are winning championships. Denver had been putting that team together for years, made a couple key moves here and there, got themselves where they needed to go. The year before that, Golden State. We all know about them. They're the ultimate team with the ultimate culture. The year before that, you had the situation with Milwaukee. Slow tweaks here and there while building around Giannis and keeping the coaching staff the same. They eventually break through. That's what wins. You're not going to put everything together in one year and get there. Everyone will point to Miami. Will they put a big three together in Miami? It still took time. They didn't solve it right away. It takes time. You're not going to acquire two key superstars, blow up your depth, and immediately win a title. It's not that easy. So with the teams looking at Harden, best of luck. He'll come in. He'll facilitate. He'll stuff the stat sheets. That'll look good. But when you need him in game six of the conference semis, he's going to go MIA. It's cute that James Harden wants to go to the Clippers, but I just saw a guy that could not have been more loyal over a 10-11 year period than Dame Lillard was end up going to a team that was not his first choice. So I don't think James Harden, in calling the GM a liar, is going to definitively end up where he wants to go, especially when that GM just went through the exact same thing with Ben Simmons and waited it out until he got what he wanted in return. I think they'll simply tell James Harden to stay home if they get to that point where he's too much of a problem. 
I think that's how that's going to play out. It's, it, I'll tell you what, it's not going to work out well for the Sixers. It's not like no. they're all going to get back on the same page and they're going to make a magical run through the Eastern Conference. That ain't happening. No, so it, we'll see no. how it plays out. But I think Maury knows what he's dealing with here. And at some point, he's going to have to settle for, let's call it quarters on the dollar, because he's not going to get a great return on this one. Football Sunday on ESPN Radio. It's a showdown in the AFC North. Touchdown from Lamar Jackson. When Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens head to Pittsburgh to face the Steelers. Hell yeah, we got to make some changes. With first place on the line. Coverage begins at noon Eastern on select ESPN radio stations. Oh, I couldn't be more pumped up for that game this week, even though my team stinks. It's Carla versus Joe on ESPN Radio on Sirius XM Channel 80. Mike Tomlin this week has decided that part of the big changes is simply going to be practicing with pads. I was talking about the physicality component or the lack thereof, and it didn't take long for me to realize um, practice attire early in the in the year, but also some matchup-related things, man. We're open to dividing the labor up more finely in an effort to get better play, to put people in circumstances that are advantageous to their skill set. We're open to doing whatever's required to, to highlight the skill sets of people based on what we have seen uh, to this point in the journey. Okay, but there are some skill sets that I'm truly wondering about in Pittsburgh. Najee Harris just isn't that good. When is people going to admit that? Part of it's been the offensive line for the last few years, but you can't look at the entire thing. You may want to say, well, he's had over 1,000 yards, but he's had under four yards a carry for his career. Playmakers on offense, has George Pickens turned out to be the superstar that they expected him to be this year so far? Not yet. No. And that's primarily because the quarterback can't get it to him and the offensive line isn't very good. So I don't know where the physicality plays in here, Joe. Maybe it feels like they're not tackling the way they need to and they need to try to bully people. They fully got pushed around the other day. But to me, I get it. It feels like somewhat of an empty gesture. See, I like I like what Tomlin's doing here. It, it might not work out, to your point, but I like what he's doing here. I like the fact that he's trying to set the tone and he's trying to send a message because for the longest time, Pittsburgh's identity has been physicality. You might find a way to beat them. They're going to take a piece of you in the process. Mm-hmm. There was a great gambling trend back in the day. This is maybe 10, 12 years ago when they were just every single year in contention for the AFC where you would always bet against the team that just played Pittsburgh the following week, right? So if Pittsburgh plays Cincinnati, the following week you were betting against Cincinnati. The, the logic was, and the numbers back this up, the game against Pittsburgh was so physical, so demanding, it took so much out of you, that the next week you just weren't ready to go. Guys were hurt, guys were banged up, guys were not prepared. And that slowly morphed. The Legion of Boom became that team. Now the Niners have become that team to an extent. But Pittsburgh has prided itself on its physicality. And when you look around that team right now, they're not what they used to be. Ben Roethlisberger, say what you want. Big, physical quarterback. Very tough to bring down. Could scramble for the tough yards. Big arm. That's not Kenny Pickett. Heinz Ward at wide receiver. Would go over the middle in a day and age where they could kill you over the middle. And he would get up and he'd be lighting up defensive backs. George Pickens, not that guy. Najee Harris, Jerome Bettis, nowhere close to the same, right? Bettis, good luck bringing him down. Najee Harris runs upright. A lot of what he did that was so great was running behind an elite offensive line at Alabama. He doesn't have that tactical advantage now. Defensively, there's no Troy Palomalu, James Harrison, Joey Porter. 
guys of that nature. Yeah, Cam Hayward's hurt, and yes, T.J. Watt is outstanding, but this is not the Pittsburgh team that we remember from years past where they would take a piece of your soul. And they've played four games this season, three of which have come against teams that have really beat them up. San Francisco beat them up bad in week one. They did survive the Cleveland team, but that Browns team laid the wood on defense. And that Texans team last week, do not sleep on them. That's not a joke. They're not a finesse team anymore. D'Amico Ryans has them playing hard. The only game where the Steelers didn't get pushed around was the Raider game because the Raiders themselves have no identity. Yeah, exactly. And when you are doing this to a team that traditionally does it, a lot of times... Joe, they kind of look around and like, what's going on here? You know, when that's supposed to be your identity and other teams are jamming it down your throat. Having said all that, this caught my attention with Pat McAfee yesterday regarding Mike Tomlin's future in Pittsburgh. Feels like this is a different year for Tomlin. Feels like mm. all the acceptance of just him being the coach for the Steelers is being viewed a little bit differently. And every time he does, which this is how Tomlin has answered things for his entire career as the Pittsburgh Steelers head coach. He's been loyal to his very core, like that to his coaches. He is going to remain the same thing. He has all his statements that basically say, we don't overreact when everybody else is doing it. But it feels like this year, the reaction from the people that are normally on his side, because there's always been detractors in Pittsburgh, but the people that are normally on his side, sounds like they're getting a little bit more quiet and it's like going the other way. Could you imagine Rooney? decides like all right it's time to move on from Mike Tomlin it feels like that's chance this year and I've never felt that over the last 15 years pretty much with Tomlin as the head coach I don't buy that I don't buy it from Pat and Pat's Pittsburgh guy plugged in no question it may be being talked about behind closed doors I don't think it's being talked about in the owner's office it's not how the Steelers do business and when you talk about the loyalty factor yeah Mike Tomlin's loyal until it's clear you're not helping him win. He's made moves before. He fired Bruce Arians. Like, let's not forget that kind of stuff when the quarterback loved him. Like, Mike Tomlin's not afraid to do things. I don't buy that he is on the hot seat all of a sudden when they continuously have had all these winning seasons when they did what they did last year. Granted, they were in a 2-6 and six hole to begin with, but they still finished 9-8. and eight. This is not how the Steelers operate. They, they operate with consistency, and I don't see Mike Tomlin going anywhere until they have a disaster of a year unless it's his decision. All right, so let me run something by you, okay? Yeah. The Steelers have gone six straight seasons without winning a playoff game. Mm-hmm. This would be their seventh consecutive season in which they don't win a playoff game should they not get to the postseason or should they get there and not win. Can you tell me the last time that happened in Pittsburgh history? Oh, it probably had to be in the before Noel took or right around when Noel took over. Correct. Before Noel took over, yeah. Correct. They didn't do much since their existence when they were uh, the Steelers in 1945. They didn't go to or win any playoff games. Their first playoff win came in 1972. Chuck Mm -hmm. Noll took over in 1969. He went three years without going to the playoffs. Then he got there and he beat the Raiders in the divisional round. You have to go back to 1971. And then prior to that is the last seven-year stretch where the Steelers did not produce at least one playoff win. We are in uncharted territory here for Mike Tomlin and this regime. So while they have been steady, while they have produced non-losing seasons year after year after year, they are no longer a threat in the playoffs. 
And that has to be something that this front office takes a good long look at and assess how long it's going to take before they can get back to what has made them the Pittsburgh Steelers. We well, all all right, know. well, then the front office should look in the mirror. It's not that it's not any of Tomlin's fault, but they butchered the Ben Roethlisberger situation. They let him hang in for two years longer than they should have. He was done two years before that. Okay, he played okay, but he didn't give them a great chance to go win a playoff game. He didn't. He was atrocious in that playoff game against the Browns. God awful. And they replaced him with Kenny Pickett out of a draft where it was not thought to be a quarterback-rich draft in any way. Look at Malik Willis. Malik Willis fell all the way to the third round, and we didn't know that Kenny Pickett was definitively the guy, but he was right there, and they felt like they knew better. So if, you, if you're if you that front office and you have operated with this consistency forever, I'd look at how we replace the players that were departing. Because for the first time, I don't think they've done it right. It's on everyone. I, I'm not putting it all on Tomlin, but it's on all of them. It's yeah. on the front office. It's on everyone. You are in a unique, unique crossroads for your franchise. Six consecutive years of zero playoff victories. This could be year seven. Like we said, it has not happened since pre-Chuck Knoll. It has not happened since pre-Chuck Knoll. This team needs to take a good long look at itself in the mirror. They need to assess the coach. They need to assess the quarterback position. They need to assess everything because this is not the Steeler football we know. Speaking of hot seats, whether or not Mike Tomlin is on it is an interesting conversation. Who else is on that hot seat? Oh, and you know what I smell? Pizza money. That's Ooh. what I smell. That's coming next. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Pizza money alert. Pizza, pizza. Hey, oh, we are hot in the Major League Baseball playoffs. We are red hot. 
We're 1-0. and It's hot, okay? It's better than 0-1. So the last pizza money was yesterday. We gave you the Twins. 1-0 for the day. Up one unit. Overall as a show, 26 wins. 19 defeats. One push. We are up 5.02 units. First pizza money we're going to give you today, we're going back to the Twins and the Blue Jays. But we're going to play under eight runs in this matchup. Jose Barrios is going for Toronto. Sonny Gray is going for Minnesota. Sonny Gray with a 2.79 ERA on the season. He pitches even better at home 2.67 ERA Toronto against right-handed pitching it's been a bit suspect about league average on top of that Toronto just 15th in scoring overall this season with the weather and everything else that's taken place there I don't see an explosion of runs it did open eight and a half as a total it's gone as low as seven and a half there are still some eights out there so that's what we're playing for pizza money number one today twins Blue Jays under eight runs. Day betting alert. <laughs> Day betting alert. Carla versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're sticking to that. That that This is sticking day around. Day betting alert. I love this. I love that. Because nothing will help speed your day up a little bit than little action. <laughs> yes. Uh, it's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. We were just talking about Mike Tomlin and whether or not he is going to be on the hop se- hot seat uh, for or the hop seat for the for the Steelers uh, this offseason. And it is an interesting point that you bring up the fact that they have not won a playoff game since they played Miami at the beginning of 2017, if memory serves, in the wild card round, and since then have not come up with a win. But um, I do wonder about some of these other teams and who could be on the hot seat now. Ooh, so let, little coaching hot seat? Little coaching hot seat. Okay. Little hot seat. Yeah, that's right. So let's do it. What do you say? I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready. Josh McDaniels, hot seat? Or not seat. Gotta be. It's gotta be. (laughs) We don't need music. We don't need fancy intros. Carlin's got it all under control. Hot seat or not seat. Should be. Absolutely should be. Year number one did not go well at all. Apparently, they tried to bring in Aaron Rodgers. That didn't work out. Who are they signing? What deals are they getting done? What progress are they showing? I I feel like I've been banging on the Raiders for years because I used to work in the Bay Area. But honestly, the organization has yet to define their identity. Who are you as a football team? I know that D'Amico Ryans just showed up in Houston. I know that team's going to be physical. I know what a Pete Carroll team looks like. I know what I'm getting from San Francisco. I know what the Philadelphia Eagles are about. And I'm naming great teams, except for the Texans, who are trending in the right direction. But you need an identity. I don't know what the Raider identity is. Are they defensive-minded? Are they offensive-minded? Are they going to razzle-dazzle you? What are they going to do? The reason McDaniels would be safe is because the owner is not going to want to be on the hook for paying multiple coaches. Coaches. It would be a cost-cutting thing. So that's the thing that would save him, in my opinion, because I don't see the Raiders turning it around to you. I don't. And the problem here, though, is more about the Raiders trying to have some sort of consistency. I think a lot of teams are going to look at that this year. They're not necessarily going to fire coaches after two years. I think the Raiders are probably one of those teams, especially after Mark Davis is on video the other day telling a fan to smarten up. Yeah. Could have done without that, Mark, but nonetheless, I don't expect Josh McDaniels to get fired that quickly again. Matt Eberflus, hot seat or not seat? 
you got to clean out everything in Chicago. You're not just bad, you're dysfunctional. When you're dysfunctional, there's no coming back. That type of atmosphere will, will permeate every single level of your organization, and it will get worse and worse and worse until you eradicate yourself of that disease. I'm not putting it on him. I'm not putting it on any one individual. They are just as dysfunctional as it comes right now. It's unfortunate, but Chicago's got to clean it out. Yeah, and listen, you know what the Bears and their fans are not right now? Fat and sassy and spoiled. That's right. (laughs) And that's why Eberflus is on the hot seat. There's no question that he is very much in the crosshairs here, and he should be because the Bears at 0-4 shouldn't be 0-4. They're not a good team, but he is turning them into an even worse team. So I absolutely think that Eberflus Plus, can you have a coach named Eberflus? No offense. I don't know Real, if you can. Quick side note. I mean, everyone in Chicago hated the Nagy and Trubisky connection. Yeah. They actually went to the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that that was considered below the standard of Chicago. Twice. Matt Nagy Twice. and Mitch Trubisky. And those guys went to the postseason. This organization is blowing 21-point leads to a winless Broncos team at home. Yeah. And they went to the playoffs Twice. Twice. And the double doink. Remember double doink. That, that was oh, the yeah, first Of course, I'm a Philadelphia fan. How could I not? How could you not? No, senor. No, senor. The great Spanish call on that one, if you've ever heard it. <laughs> That's me with an obscure reference. How about Brandon Staley? Hot seat or Nazi? It's not hot. It's already been determined. The only thing here is that the Chargers, again, as a cheap organization, are not going to want to pay multiple coaches. They brought him back for the last year of the deal because, again, they didn't want to pay two coaches. Those deals are fully guaranteed. He is going to finish off his deal, of which he's in the final year, and then they're going to part ways. Because think about it like this. Okay, say they threaten a playoff spot. You bringing him back? You giving him a new four-year deal? I don't think so. So, no, he's, it's not even a hot seat. It's been determined. They're just waiting him out. That dude's butt is scorched. Adios. (laughs) See you later. Keep going for it on fourth down and one with a lead and three minutes left at your own nine-yard line. That'll be great. It's not a winning formula, but you keep doing it like you're trying to prove a point. You can keep doing it when you're playing Madden in a few weeks. How about that? (laughs) Next, Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick. Hot seat or not seat? I feel like this one could be not seat right now and then turn the hot seat later in the season. I feel like this one is undecided. Some of the others we've discussed, like with Staley, I think that one's done. I think they understand exactly where that's going, barring some sort of Super Bowl run. With Belichick, I think maybe Kraft is sitting there saying, he's got another year, we're not going to be impetuous about this, and then this gets so bad over the course of the rest of the season, he's forced to change his mind. Kind of like what we heard with San Francisco. They traded up for Mac Jones, and then they changed their mind, and they went with Trey Lance I think that could happen here I expect that to happen here look at their schedule I'm gonna tell you right now the Patriots are winning four more games and that's it so that's gonna put them at five and twelve and that will lead the owner to have some pretty tough discussions and I don't think it's gonna come down to getting fired but it's gonna come down to a reassignment or something along those lines or you're gonna talk to Belichick about you know what, I'm going to bring somebody else in to run the personnel part of it. I don't see that going particularly well in that discussion either. So that's why I think it could be a mutual parting of the ways. That's Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio with a little hot seat or not seat because it makes absolutely no sense not seat. Uh, In just moments, 
one of the best rivalry games in college football is changing forever. But before that, we'll get a battle of the unbeaten. That's next. ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Jude Wolf is in as a tight end this side. The throw coming to Jude Wolf, and Wolf will catch it. And another touchdown for Caleb Williams, his sixth. Hand off to Lloyd, bounces off one man, reverses field, gets a block from Caleb Williams. He's at the 20, he's at the 15, he's at the 10-5. Touchdown, USC! We're a team that gets circled every single week. And so to come win these on the road, you go find a way. Because I promise you, at the end of the year, nobody's going to look back on this and care. Final Big 12 edition of Texas, Oklahoma this weekend. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80, presented by Progressive Insurance. Don't forget, you miss any part of the show. You go and you download the podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review Carlin versus Joe wherever you get your podcast. We welcome in the great Paul Feinbaum of the Paul Feinbaum Show right now on Carlin versus Joe. Paul, it's Chris and Joe. Let's just start right there with Texas and Oklahoma in the big picture. What does this game mean for playoff implications? Well, I think it's one of the biggest games of the year so far because both are really uh, in a unique position where I think Texas is in, is in a better spot should it lose in this game, Oklahoma hasn't played anyone yet, while Texas has the win over Alabama. Uh, I think I, – I don't want to say this game is a mismatch on paper, but it seems like Texas is a far better team based on what I've seen in, in, in progression of this program. And, and really, uh, Oklahoma is a mystery to me. Uh, they've had a, a, a good season so far after a disastrous season last year. They do have a revenge on, on, on the mind. I'll, I'll leave that to uh, – you, Joe, but uh, to me, uh, I mean, it was, I mean they, they, they have never been beaten uh, in, in this rivalry game like they, they were last year. But that has to matter, but, but I think from a physicality standpoint, Texas has everything going for it. Uh, the better quarterback, I think the better coaching staff, so I think you know which way I'm leaning. The old revenge angle. You're coming along nicely, Paul. You're coming along real nicely, spotting these things. Well, I, I, mean, I bought your book, and I'm trying, I'm trying to learn. 
<laughs> I mean, we did see it. You remember a couple years ago, Kansas upsets Texas. Then last year, Texas remembered that. They put it on them in a big way, and they remembered that again this season. So those are things you want to take into account. Now let's talk about Georgia. Undefeated, yes, but not overly as impressive as we're used to seeing, leading some to question what's going on with this team. Here comes undefeated Kentucky. They hadn't really played anyone, and then they hammer Florida last week. Could we be talking about potential upset alert here for the Bulldogs this weekend? Yeah, I think you have to consider it. Uh, but I, I've seen this movie before, two years ago, in fact. Uh, and it just uh, I, I don't think, from a matchup standpoint, Kentucky is built to beat Georgia. I, 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 that's not, I'm not diminishing the Wildcats. Uh, I was in uh, Lexington last week, and I saw that just beat down uh, of a woefully coached uh, Florida team. But to me, Georgia had, had, the, you know, had the misfortune, I think, of having nothing to point to uh, toward this season. That, you know, the Oklahoma game was taken off their schedule. They, they played a bunch of nobodies, and, and it looked like it. Uh, they just haven't been focused. And knowing Kirby Smart, I, I think he was finally able to, to get their attention this week, saying, hey, you, you almost lost to Auburn. Uh, I mean, that, that's a 500 team at best. You, you were down to South Carolina, another uh, middling team. Are you guys going to ever show up? And, and I think finally they feel like this is a big game. Now, now, Joe, I don't know all these things, whether that matters or not, but it seems like the, this team has just not been mo- motivated. As you know, they're not as talented as they have been because the, they, they've been missing some key pieces. Uh, Lad McConkey uh, has been banged up. He finally came back the other day. But I don't know why Kirby Smart uh, and, and Mike Bobo just don't do this every time. What am I talking about? Throw the ball to the best player in the country, and that's Brock Bowers. You don't need to do anything else to win. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum of the Paul Feinbaum Show. We can figure this out. Why can't they, Paul? It's not hard. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, third straight game uh, for Notre Dame against a ranked opponent. Uh, we have to talk to him because I think uh, talk about him because I think it's contractually obligated. Uh, the Irish and their standing as a a playoff team with one loss. How do you evaluate that? I think the Irish, uh, in relation to, to being a playoff team, is completely and totally fraudulent. I, I, I'll elaborate if you want me to. I know. That, oh, I know please that's do. Yes, we would very much answer. love that. Hearing about Notre Dame I, I, being I, fraudulent all day. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, you can take yeah, over I mean, the rest of the show. Carlin and I are going to go get lunch. <laughs> I mean, they, they can they can they can be upset with me in, in Durham. But beating Duke uh, and having to hold them off on the final couple of seconds of the game doesn't really impress me very much. I'm sorry. Uh, and the idea that you're going into Louisville, and this is I, I know it's, it's a prime game on ABC, and I don't want to upset my bosses any more than I already have. But, I mean, this is not like a big-time matchup here. Uh, Louisville is, is, has done a nice job of beating uh, – you know, I mean, they, they, they beat NC State the other night in a, in a game of, in a, in a who-cares win – and, and I think Notre Dame gets out of there. Uh, Notre Dame's problems come later in the season uh, when they see when they see USC. Now, uh, <laughs> uh, Notre Dame's offense is, is not that that potent. Where I think uh, they'll, they'll be able to take advantage of uh, another fraudulent team in relation to uh, the national championship, and that's USC. But uh, but I, I think that's really where their problems are, and I don't see them going to the playoffs. 
Love it that you took it to USC because that was our next question. Trojans, Huskies, Ducks. In the eyes of Vegas, they're all pretty much priced the same. They're all going to play each other at some point later in the season. Washington and Oregon on the bye this week. They'll face each other the following week. And then USC will mingle with both later in the year. Who do you give the edge to right now between those three? Or is it someone like Utah? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not that impressed with Utah. I think it comes down to Oregon and Washington. And what I mean by USC is, I mean that defense uh, after you know being patched together and Alex Grinch and hey, this is much different. It, it's the same pathetic USC defense that I've been seeing now for a couple of years, and and that will not travel well. Uh, you, I mean, we saw we saw what happened to LSU the other night. I mean, that's one of the best offenses in the country, like USC has, and you finally get trashed at the end of the game when you can't make a stop and you can't make a tackle. So I would slightly favor uh, Washington right now. I think they look a little bit better, but but I, I think I, you could go uh, either way because they, they, both Oregon and Washington have elite quarterbacks. Uh, by the way, not that Southern Cal doesn't, uh, but it doesn't matter at Southern Cal. I, I don't see how they're going to survive the schedule. Paul Feinbaum of the Paul Feinbaum Show, SEC Network. Paul, how should we cover Colorado and Dion for the rest of the season? I think uh, the same way uh, we're watching Taylor Swift and Kelsey in the in the NFL. It's, it's amusing, it's entertaining, it gets eyeballs. But let's be honest, Colorado is no longer really a player uh, for this season. They're a sideshow. No disrespect, because you have to say that, otherwise you you catch the wrath of Prime. Um, but you know, what does it matter? I mean, they've got two losses. Uh, they'll have four or five or six by the end of the season. So, I mean, how long can we keep beating that drum? I, I, what I love is that I heard two little subtle things there with Paul and the Notre Dame discussion. I'm just going to go back to it for a second because in no way did he say not to upset my friends in South Bend. It was his friends in Durham because he was born. <laughs> didn't want to offend oh, no, them. I, 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 don't, I don't have any friends in South exactly. Bend. Exactly. <laughs> and even if you did, you wouldn't care. That's what I love. And number two, when, when you started talking about Notre Dame and USC, if people noticed there was like a little chuckle in your voice at the beginning of like, well, oh, I know what's I, coming I know, I, know we're, I know we're short on time, but, but would somebody mind telling the Notre Dame people they don't matter in college football anymore? They have not been relevant since I think Tim Brown was there in the 80, late 80s. I mean, come on, let's, let's quit acting like the world surrounds and revolves around the axis of Notre Dame. Uh, win, win, win something. Win a national championship. Alabama has won, I think, seven since your last win. Georgia is working on its third. Uh, LSU has won a bunch. So shut up already, Irish. I love it. I love it. <laughs> the problem with Notre Dame, Paul, is they think they're Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're not. <laughs> they really Paul. need Duke. Outstanding. Paul Feinbaum of the Paul Feinbaum Show. We appreciate it, Paul. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Uh, let, me ask you, let me ask you a question, Carlin. Um, Paul refers to the Trojans as Southern Cal. How do you refer to them? Uh, USC, generally. Do you think that's a, a Northern versus Southern sort of thing? I call no, them USC I, as well. I'll refer to them as USC, but there are people that refer to them as Southern Cal. Uh, it could be. It could be. I, my my in-laws, it, there is a USC hatred that's built in uh, by marriage in my family because my in-laws are all Pac-12 people uh, in mm. addition to uh, having gone to Ohio State, so they hate USC. Evan, have, Evan has a theory here. Evan, Evan what's a thought? theory? He works for SEC Network. USC to him is South Carolina. That's fair. I'm not, I'm not okay with that. Uh, I'm not okay. I, with that. Listen, I can see why he would do it. I'm not blaming him, but U.S. South Carolina is not USC. 
I've never heard it called that way, but I don't live in South Carolina, so maybe it is. I don't the, know. I the don't people in, in the, the people University in South of South Carolina. Yeah, the people in South Carolina. Yeah, no, we get it, Handman. We understand why it's USC. <laughs> no one was questioning the why behind it. Thanks for getting into the semantics, Handman. We can always rely on you. Carlin. We need the hembo hammer is what we need right now. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Actually, it is time for a pool party. Which quarterback is going to get thrown in next? Ryobi is awesome. Let me tell you why. This Saturday, you can make your cleanup easy with the Ryobi 18-volt, one-plus cordless leaf blower from the Home Depot. Carlin versus Joe, ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. On your speed up. Chris Carlin in the his house. Put on those floaties and grab a margarita. It's a Carlin versus Joe pool party. I'm just imagining myself putting on floaties over my arms. That'd be like just tires, wouldn't it? Like that one, huh? Wow. There's a reaction. I hadn't even thought about that. I'm thinking about the little tiny floaties. No, you actually have to put Michelin white walls on. <laughs> Just out in the pool. Exactly. People would come out, what, what is, is he that? Doing? That, ladies and gentlemen, is a world-class radio host. That's what that is. <laughs> Carlin versus Joe. My little goggles on on ESPN Radio. <laughs> And on the ESPN app, it is time for a pool party. Joseph, explain. Here's how it works. I'm going to give you a pool of players or teams or concepts, and you are going to tell me which one is the answer to the question I pose. Pool number one, your question is as follows. Which of the following NFL quarterbacks will be benched first? Four options. Zach Wilson of the Jets. Desmond Ritter of the Falcons, Mac Jones of the Patriots, Ryan Tannehill of the Titans. It's not going to be Mac Jones. I know people want that, and based off of what we saw last week, maybe it should be. It'll be Desmond Ritter. I would take Desmond Ritter here. A couple of reasons. Number one, he's been absolutely awful. Number two, they're not a dead team by any stretch of the imagination, and that's how I, I think Arthur Smith and, more importantly, Arthur Blank are going to look at it. 
And they're also going to look at the fact that his backup is Taylor Heineke. And Heineke, say what you will, like that's a good, solid backup quarterback to have. And you may be able to win some games with Taylor Heineke. Certainly, I would argue that your chances with Heineke would be better than they would be with Desmond Ritter at this point. Definitely wouldn't take Zach Wilson or Mac Jones because I think both organizations are just going to take it as long as they possibly can with these two and then say at the end, well, we gave it a great run and it didn't work out. Ritter's a great answer. The situation with Tannehill is befuddling to me, to say the least. What are they doing in Tennessee? He's clearly not the guy. He's in the last year of his contract. He's not going to be the future. They spent a high draft pick on Malik Willis last year. They spent a high draft pick on Will Levis this year. What are they waiting for? I'm assuming neither guy is ready to play, which has got to be alarming, especially in the case of Malik Willis. But Tannehill would be my answer. I think him versus Ritter is a very interesting one. Atlanta might want to give Ritter more time. Tennessee already knows everything they need to know about Tannehill. Pool party number two. The Mm. question is as follows. One and three teams that could make the playoffs. One and three teams that could make the playoffs. Here's your list. The Minnesota Vikings, the Cincinnati Bengals, the New York Giants, and then... I mean, Evan, what is this? We're going to have three, four, five, six, seven. We're going to put all eight teams in the pool? Or other. So it's the three and then other. This is, yeah, this is a a hembo right here. That's what we have. We have a hembo situation, very ambiguous. So it's Vikings, Bengals, Giants, or other. And if you take other, you get the Jets, Patriots, Raiders, Broncos, Cardinals. Which of the following one and three teams could make the playoffs? My answer is no. <laughs> like my answer is just no. I, none of them are making the playoffs, and like I, I, I went and looked at like the Vikings, right? What do the Vikings have coming up? They've got Kansas City and San Francisco in two of the next three weeks, and then a trip oh. to Green Bay. They're not. No, you're going to be sitting at two and five. No, no, they're not coming back from that. Uh, Cincinnati is done because. There's no need for Joe Burrow to be playing right now. He doesn't look like anywhere near himself, and that one I cannot figure out. The Giants are awful. The Giants are a bad football team. Giants, bad football team. Understand it. Realize it. Embrace it. Bad. Jets aren't making the playoffs right now. Why would I pick any of these other teams between the Broncos, the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Jets? Why? Because Cardinals play hard? No. I'm sorry. No, none of them make them to play. None. God, Zero. That's, that's Zero. essentially eight teams that are listed, and you don't even want to attempt to make a case for any of them, and I don't Get think out. that's on you. That's Get on out. them. Get out. Yeah. I don't I don't know what I would say here. I mean, the Broncos are hot. They just won one. <laughs> Could they make a run? No. No. Yeah, there's nothing here. Wow. No. That is sad. That's a, that is 25% of the league right there as we flip the calendar to October where we're just completely writing them off. Not a good sign. All right, pool party number three. Which quarterback from the 2021 NFL draft will be on a new team next year? Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, Mac Jones. Justin Fields. Almost definitely Justin Fields. I don't think the Jets are going to trade Zach Wilson or get rid of him as long as Aaron Rodgers is there because that's his little buddy. Uh, That's Rodgers' little buddy. And I think they still want to try to find a way for Zach to 
through osmosis, learn from Aaron and become better for it. Uh, Trey Lance, I mean, the Cowboys will keep him as a backup. Why not? It's better than Cooper Rush. And then Mac Jones, I I just expect him to kind of fade into the background. I'd put it that way. Hey, apparently he and Bailey Zappi, by the way, can't stand each other. Like Really? Yeah, I've heard that many times, that there is like zero relationship between the two of them right now. Well, I mean, you know, they're competing for the same job, and yeah. neither one of them is doing a real good job of locking it down. It'll, it'll be okay. Fields primarily because the Bears are going to be drafting a quarterback this coming year. They're going to have the first and potentially the second overall pick. I mean, Dallas just traded for Lance. They're not going to do anything with him this year. You're going to keep him around at least for another year, probably try to sort things out. I can understand your position on Wilson. I think you need to get him out of the building, though. I think moving forward, you're just going to want him out of there. You don't want that distraction around anymore. You don't want those memories around. Mac Jones, there's a good case. You're probably right with Fields. It feels like it's going to be a total reboot coming in Chicago. I think that's the strongest answer. Finally, pool party number four. Which team will lose first, the 49ers or the Eagles? Ooh, that's intriguing. The 49ers or the Eagles to lose first. You want some schedule help here? Uh, no, I'll pull it up here. I, I, if I had to, just off the top of my head, I would probably say the 49ers. I don't think they're losing this week, but I want to know where the Eagles are. Are they losing uh, when they get Miami into town? I don't Next see five that. for Philly, at the Rams, at the Jets, hosting Miami, at Washington, who always gives them a problem, hosting Dallas. Those are their next five. Next five for the Niners, hosting Dallas, at Cleveland, at Minnesota, versus Cincinnati, at Jacksonville. Yeah, they're going to lose at Cleveland, believe it or who, not. San Francisco? Yeah, that's a bad wow. one. Uh, that, okay. that that just feels like one of those games that everybody just assumes they'll go win and they'll lose. That's a physical football game right there. That feels like a first one to two wins it. Yeah. What do you got? Uh, I would say the Eagles because I think they'll get caught somewhere somewhere before that. I would go with the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles listen, at some point have- with the injury luck and everything else, I think the Niners have the easier path. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio.